What is up? And welcome in. It's another edition of 10,000 Pitches, a podcast devoted to everything Minnesota soccer and beyond. My name is Jeremy Rushing here for episode 154. And alongside me, as always, contributor to SodaSoccer.com, the Swiss Army knife of Minnesota soccer coverage, if you will. You can find him tweeting about everything from Minnesota United to what's happening in the lower leagues and the college soccer scenes as well. He's Dominic Jose Bazzonio. Dom, how are we doing? Uh, doing well. A little under the weather today, which uh, people may or may not be able to tell. Uh, but uh, but doing well and glad to get back to recording. A bunch of stuff to talk about today. Um, so, yep, looking forward to it. Dom, we appreciate you battling through the illness to be with us this <laughs> week. Uh, this is your flu game, so I uh, yeah. appreciate it. Um, of course, we are presented by SotaSoccer.com. It is your home for soccer coverage on the North. Check us out, SOTASoccer.com. Leave us a rating and review, uh, the podcast, that is, on your preferred platform. Also, make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed so you know when we drop a new episode of 10K or Post Loons following every Minnesota United match as well. You can also follow us at SodaSOC on Twitter. Yes, I'm still calling it Twitter. Um, let's jump into the headlines here, though, Dom. Um, it's been a few weeks since we recorded. We're back uh, after a bit of a, a layoff. There's been... You know, there, a couple weeks ago, I was on vacation, so we had a, a scheduled off week. And then last week, we did post-loons together, and there was only a small amount of lower league and college soccer stuff to talk about. So we kind of worked that into the last episode of post-loons. So if you're looking for kind of a, a condensed 10,000 pitches segment from last week, make sure you check out the most previous episode of post-loons. We are back for a true true edition of 10,000 pitches this week. And let's kick it off like we always do with Minnesota United news. Um, recent results since the last time we recorded this podcast specifically, Dom, a 1-1 draw with Seattle, 3-0 win over Colorado, and a 1-1 draw at San Jose, Colorado, might I add, has since uh, let go of their head coach, Robin Frazier, and their president sent out uh, what is now a, a pretty controversial uh, note to the uh, fans following Robin Frazier's dismissal. I have to imagine he will be on some uh, some wish list for other MLS clubs in the offseason who may be looking for coaching changes as well. Um, but we kind of we talked about the 3-0 win over Colorado on the last episode of Post Loon, so we're not going to get into that too much. But the 1-1 draw at San Jose um, is the most recent result. It was, a, it was a road draw against a playoff position side. So you can have the result itself. Pretty good, pretty positive. Um Overall, just kind of before we get into the nitty gritty of the match, Dom, what are your kind of impressions of the result itself and the overall performance from Minnesota United on uh, Saturday night? Well, I, I think there, there's two answers to this. There's the answer to the actual result, which is obviously the one-one draw, and I think that's a acceptable, uh, uh, mildly positive step in in the continued fight to to gain and then retain a playoff position. What I would say is that there's an alternate answer in terms of the performance because the team actually really performed better than the scoreline uh, reflects, I would say. Uh, we'll probably get to some of the decisions that were made that that caused that discrepancy. Um, but, you know, I, I think Minnesota United more or less did what they needed to do quite literally to win this game, yep. which would have been obviously a much better result. So w- what I mean by by splitting those two things is the actual result is a, is a relatively positive thing. I'm actually more encouraged by the overall performance because at the end of the day, I actually think Minnesota United did everything they needed to do uh, at this game to, to get the job done. Got a little unlucky with some of the decisions made by other parties, in my opinion. Um, so, yeah, I mean, overall, 
quite quite positive actually. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree. And you know, you want to get try to get three points at home and one point on the road as much as you possibly can. That's kind of the goal. And Minnesota has been accomplishing that task at least over the last uh, last week or two, where they currently sit as seventh in the standings. So that that road draw is, is going to help that. And they have a game in hand on some of the teams in front of them as well. But let's get into the actual match itself. Team Mupuki scores off an assist from a, a beautiful assist, might I add, from Emmanuel Reynoso in the fourth minute. Uh, Cade Cowell then equalizes in the 16th, thanks to a Jackson Yule assist. The Minnesotan getting on the score sheet or getting on the uh, the stat sheet there. Um, there was a deflection on the shot as well, uh, which caused DSC. He was leaning one way, the deflection sent the ball the other way, and so he wasn't able to make up that ground in time to make that save. So that's where we go one one. Here's the turning point in the match that you were sort of alluding to here, Dom. Is in the 60th minute, Puki and Minnesota think they have the go ahead goal. Um, really good pass in the box and tight space from Reynoso. Uh, Pookie does really not really well to finish over the top of the goalkeeper, top shelf, almost bar down uh, to give Minnesota the lead. It's sent to review. And there was some confusion here. Initially, you think maybe they're looking for offsides. Didn't seem to be offsides. So you think, okay, goal is going to stand. Um, then um, the announce crew who did an amazing job on Saturday, I really like the announce crew on Saturday pointed out that there was the, a ball that went off Mando Reynoso's shoulder and they might potentially be looking at that for a handball. Well, that was what they did end up looking at. It was sent to VAR review and the goal was actually overturned. Thoughts, Dom? Um, well, I'll, I'll start with what my thoughts are with the fact that the commentary crew who, as you said, by the way, yes, were very good during the game. Um, they themselves, as this decision was being made, questioned how this could be a handball. Yep. Because the ball strikes quite clearly. And and I, I, I guess it was a hypothetical where the referee somehow maybe saw an angle we didn't see or whatever. But assuming that he saw the footage we saw, um, it, it quite clearly hits the portion of Emmanuel Reynoso's arm that is covered by his shirt. It hits his shoulder. That is not supposed to be a, a handball area. That's not supposed to count as a handball. That's, that's quite clearly been implemented into the game for, for years now. And even historically, you know, that shoulder has always been a, a gray area that tends to lean in the direction of no handball. But now the, the law essentially says that, um, and, and the referee decides that that is a handball. It, it's a strange choice to me. It's a strange decision. Again, I don't know if there perhaps was some sort of sliver of information that he received that we did not. But, you know, they, they showed the play several times in the broadcast because it took a while. And every single time they showed it, it seemed quite clearly to me that the ball hit his shoulder, not his arm, not his hand, not his forearm, and then falls to his feet. Mm-hmm. Um that's not a handball. That means this goal should be valid, and Minnesota should have been two one up. Uh, so it, it's it's a weird it's a weird call. I don't really understand how the referee arrives at the decision that he arrived at, unless he is operating on some different understanding of the handball rule than I am. Uh, the commentators seem to think that there was no way that the shoulder could count as a handball either. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, it's it, it, it's a strange it's a strange decision that that at the end of the day kind of cost Minnesota uh, in this game, not necessarily in a grave matter, but um, 
but yeah, it's 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 a strange strange moment, uh, and I don't really understand the call. Yeah, I don't understand the call. I don't mind the review. Sure, sure. The uh, review in, in real time, you don't know what part of the arm that ball is going off of. You can't you can't see that in real time. Um, or if you see it, you know you may may especially on a goal like that, a go ahead goal, 60th minute of the match. It's a big high leverage spot. You okay? Go to the monitor. Let's let's make sure we get the right call here. The call on the field was a goal. Right. So based off the language, and I don't know if the language of this has actually changed. So what I'm saying might actually be outdated. But my understanding is there need to be a, needs to be a clear and obvious error made on the field to overturn via VAR. That is one thing that separates supposedly separates soccer from football, from baseball, from other sports that use review is the initial kind of reasoning for VAR is to clear clear is to overturn clear and obvious errors. Anything less than that, stick with the call on the field. That's the language that to my understanding exists for why VAR is in place and what overturning a, a call means. So I don't mind going to the going to the monitor. If the if this was initially called a handball, I don't even know if I would mind with them sticking with the call on the field. But to overturn this for a handball, which as we I think both agree, the announced crew agrees, anybody that I'm seeing has has tweeted about this or has spoken about this. Uh, I think Andrew Weeby and Co did on the MLS po, uh, MLS post show as well. That's not a handball. That's not. So to overturn the call and call it a handball to take away a goal when it's clearly not, it just seems like such, it's, it seems like an egregious error. Yeah. When you're using a safeguard that you have, it's not like the official made the call in the field. Okay. We have to stick with that, you know, human error. It's fine. You know, move on. No, like this, this is in place for a reason. And this is in place to, Look at these situations and say, okay, if there was a clear and obvious error, we are going to overturn it. If not, we're going to stay, we're going to just continue play. This kind of, I think, goes against the very foundation of VAR, if we're being honest. And I know some people might say that sounds a little too dramatic, but I think it goes counter to the language that we have understood VAR to exist for up until this point. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, uh, and the, the clear and obvious thing, as far as I recall, is, is very much in place in, in every league that VAR is being used. It's essentially a FIFA uh, standard for VAR. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, part this is this is hypothetical. This is me just thinking out loud. But you know, part of me wonders if if part of what happened here is referees feeling they needed to do some like the moment that VAR makes a check out of it. All of a sudden, you know, people start feeling like, well, we have to make a decision. I, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know why you see that footage and come to the conclusion that he has used an illegal part of his arm to control the ball or, or to affect. And by the way, his arm was also in what I think, if Emmanuel Reynoso had had his arm in the position it was in, as a, and he was defending, and then the ball got kicked and hit his arm. 
I pretty, I'm pretty sure it wouldn't even be called as a handball because it's a relatively natural position. Correct. Yeah, he's not like he moved his shoulder in the way of the ball to bring it down. Right. Which, even if he did, still isn't necessarily ha- handball. Not really illegal either. But, but, but yeah, you know, so I completely agree. So it, I just don't quite, I just don't quite understand. It, it doesn't even come off as, you know, like, uh, and I don't think anyone was thinking this anyways, but it doesn't come off as like malicious to me. It just comes off as like, I just, I don't know if the referees just got confused or, or, or there was just some sort of, uh, you know, some sort of tension that they felt they need to do something. I, I don't know. It just doesn't, the call just doesn't make sense. It's not even a matter of it being a bad call. It's, it's a matter of it being a call that I, I don't quite know what they think they, they were doing. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, it has it has a detrimental effect on the game. But uh, yeah, you know, I mean, again, for what it's worth, to my my uh, earlier point, the silver lining of all this is the call's weird, the call's bad, um, but behind the call, you have you know, Timo Puki has probably one of the most productive games he's had for the club ever. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the, the the team looked good in the attack more often than not. Manny Reynoso looked good with the ball as he often does. Um, but, you know, I, I think on the team of Pookie note, obviously there's been a lot of conversation about his scoring or not scoring. Obviously for him to score uh, in the previous game, get uh, a legal goal in, the, in this game, and then arguably two goals. Uh, I think all of that at least provides a really strong silver lining behind this moment, which is that the attack feels like it's getting to a pretty, a pretty good place um, and in a pretty important time. Uh, unfortunate that this this note causes it to be a little less uh positive of a time but um but that's sort of the silver lining for me is that part of this discussion is the fact that you have some players it feels like uh getting into that next gear a little bit on the attack which certainly the team needs we're gonna go ahead and add that goal to his sort of bank of (laughs) of confidence and form and you know everything you would need to hopefully keep the good good momentum and good vibes going for for pookie we're gonna go ahead and just count that goal towards that even if it doesn't necessarily count on the on the stat sheet um as of this recording i haven't necessarily sought this out but i have not seen anything come across any of my feeds regarding a statement from pro or or anything sometimes they will put something out if they feel a call was just totally and completely missed on the field or if they deem a call was totally and completely missed on the field they will put out a, a a sort of statement regarding that um that's usually more now that i say that though it's usually more towards uh yellow cards or uh or suspension type scenarios so i i I don't know if they do that for for goal or goals given or or not given or overturned i actually don't know um but um we'll see if anything comes up from there obviously adrian heath was not happy with that with that call um after the match and heath is interesting in these post-game press conferences because if he feels that you know he was sort of screwed by a call in a game which he feel like his team didn't deserve (laughs) uh much out of it uh, based off their performance, he won't be as mad. But a match like Saturday, which we both mentioned that the Loons put on a great road performance, another great road performance, deserve three points, and then kind of get it taken away from them. That's where Adrian Heath really gets mad. Um, and so that's you know obviously something the the frustration was palpable there um, after the match on Saturday with Heath, as as you would uh, mention. Um, I would do want to uh, bring up another positive from this one though. Uh, DSC continues to have this is second good performance in a row um it's really good to see at the same time minnesota united striker seems to be upping his game their goalkeeper seems to be doing the same on the back end as well Uh, a few really crucial saves in this one another save of the week contender 
for for Dane as well after a good performance against Colorado too. Um, and you know, statistically, we've we've kind of talked about Dane and his shot stopping not being where it is, and his expected goals added being negative this year, and and, and oh. things like that. But at the same time, um, these last two performances have have boded a lot of confidence, and I think. Um, it's good. Like I said, it's good to see both ends of the pitch, your, your goal scorer and your goal stopper, both really coming into form at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I think that's it's probably part of the last two games that maybe hasn't been talked about as much just because there's been a lot going on in the scoring department and so on. But, um, yeah, no, I, I think we've seen a, a really positive run here from St. Clair, uh, even in the games where there you know, weren't clean sheets or, 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 or whatever and the team didn't win. Um, he's had some really good performances. The Seattle performance was, was, was strong. The Colorado performance was strong. Uh, certainly the San Jose performance was strong. So, yeah, no, it's, it's good to see him um, getting back into, into form, I guess you could say. And like you said, to see that happening while you have a similar situation up front, I think is really promising when the team's approaching, obviously, a, a really important stretch here where every game is going to matter quite a bit uh, to, to keeping hold of the playoff spot. So, um, you know, I, I think Dane St. Clair is one of those players that as long as he's with this team, there's going to be no doubt that he's important and needed and has to play. But, uh, you know, th- there's never really been much doubt of that, certainly post Tyler Miller's exit. Um, but you know, like you alluded to, there's been some games this season that maybe haven't been quite to satisfaction for some people. Um, so, so good to see that sort of uh, exiting the scene a little bit. Speaking of exiting the scene, let's look ahead to Minnesota United's um, next match Saturday against the New England Revolution at Allianz Field. A man who has exited the Major League Soccer scene, arguably the best goalkeeper in the lead, uh, league, Georgi Petrovic, uh, moves from the Revs to Chelsea. Um, so he will not be in goal for this one against uh, Minnesota United. So that obviously potentially gives the loons an advantage, although the revs just seem to be manufacturing goalkeepers uh, <laughs> over the last few years, selling two to a top, you know, top tier premier league side just in the last three years, uh, which is pretty crazy. Um, but anyways, um, so, you know, that potentially you don't have to go up against the brick wall there in, in Petrovic. So that, you know, could be good news for Minnesota looking ahead to this one as well. Of course, you get uh, get adopted Minnesotan Brandon by, uh, you know, uh, on the other side of the pitch. And this one as well, former Minneapolis City player. And this is an opportunity for the Loons to get another one, not only at home, but another important one towards what they want to do come the playoffs. Because... When you look at the standings here, Minnesota United sit seventh, but they have at least a game in hand on most of the teams ahead of them. Mm. Specifically, when you're looking at fifth and fourth place, they have a game in hand on both of those spots right now. And we've kind of seen the bar from Adrian Heath, at least verbally set over these last few years that the team wants to get in that top four and host a playoff match. They have not accomplished that over the last uh, two seasons. Um, yeah, two seasons. Um, but getting a home win over a rev side that is missing, you know, that has just sold one of their one of their most key pieces um, could go a long way to doing that. Now, I say that you still got Carlos Hill. You still got, uh, you know, really yeah. a really good team outside of Petrovic. It's not as if he was the only only player on that team that, you know, they have 45 goals 
on the season do the reps and currently sits seventh in the Eastern Conference behind only the team that's running away with a supporter shield right now, and that's Cincinnati. But, um, you know, you look at kind of where New England is as opposed to where they were a couple of weeks ago. You look at Minnesota United's form, the fact that it's at home, the fact that Minnesota United um, are, are due not only one home win, but a few home wins down the stretch here. Um, you got to see this as an opportunity for Minnesota to get to get three big points. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, the, the goalkeeper situation obviously is a part of it, but also it's, it's worth noting this New England side is kind of interesting because they're clearly very talented. And they're doing very well overall. You know, obviously table position and so on but if you look at them like week to week they're not i don't know if their week to week record looks the way their table standing looks to me in a strange way yeah. um and, and especially recently i mean you look quickly their last five competitive games which is including two elite cup games they have one regulation time win um there's a pen win in there as well but uh, you know, it ha- hasn't been a super great time for them, especially since the return to league play. Uh, that combined with now having a goalkeeper absent, uh, I think, is a pretty good time to play them. Uh, and then obviously home field advantage as well. So, so yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a big opportunity to keep the stretch going. I think Minnesota need to, I mean, at some point, a loss is probably going to come Minnesota's way again. But um, I, I think it's important to keep this run going as long as they can to pick up so those key points. Like you mentioned, there's some room to grow into in sort of fourth, fifth, sixth place, um, that that could be vital. The teams in those positions right now, you know, the RSLs, Houston's, are not incredibly stable performers. There is certainly an opportunity potentially to climb up into that region, and uh, I think if Minnesota does that. It's going to be a huge help in the playoffs, especially with the way the structure has been changed. So uh, no, yeah, I, I think this New England game is a great opportunity. Great opportunity to pick up a, a home win, pick up some more momentum. Uh, and and keep this unbeaten run going uh, a week longer. Should be noted on New England side too. The reason for that inconsistency may be you know the Bruce Arena situation that is happening behind the scenes. The uh, the head coach, formerly U.S. Men's National Team head coach, um, is on administrative leave um, for some insensitive comments he reportedly made, uh, I believe, in a training session for the Rebs. And uh, connection here, our very own Jacob Schneider actually just wrote uh, something on this from uh, he works for Goal now, which is crazy that jacob works for goal i think that's freaking awesome well well deserved by the way um and uh kind of highlights a social media post that academy coach shari joseph made um sort of sending a thank you to bruce arena which could be potentially a foreshadowing that uh you know arena maybe on the on the outs and the revs organization the post said quote thank you for being the man you are i appreciate every lesson and every morning conversation we used to have love you big guy end quote um seems to be maybe a uh a post of uh you know hey thanks for everything you will see you see you down the road uh, or something like that but that's got to be i think a, a at some level a, a distraction for this revs team as well you lose you lose your best player which there was a bit of a uh a back and forth uh game of chicken going on between Petrovic and the club reportedly over the last few months where the club wanted to keep him, but Petrovic wanted to move on. Um, and uh, so that was obviously potentially a distraction for the team. The Bruce Arena situation, obviously a distraction for the team. Um, so, you know, that plays into potentially some of this inconsistency, but you can't necessarily count on that uh, affecting yeah. the team come match day on Saturday. You still got to do what you got to do to get the job done because you're also you're going to be facing a very good team regardless of all the distractions and everything that's happening off the field. 
Yeah, no, the game the game plan shouldn't be to <laughs> to uh, to feed off the arena drama. But uh, but yeah, no, I mean there, there's there's a bunch of factors that that come to play for this one for sure. That that probably made for a, a tough road trip for New England, and it, it's Minnesota's job to make the most of that and get the job done. Um, off the field news. So so that game's Saturday, seven thirty p.m. Allianz Field, um, MLS season pass on Apple TV. We will have coverage at Soda Soccer as well for that one. Um, off the field news. Certain name has been training with Minnesota United over the last few weeks and is report is reportedly set to sign with the club in 2024. A name any listener of this podcast will be very familiar with at this point. Mr. Caden Clark, the Medina native currently, um, well, I guess, yeah, currently on contract from RB Leipzig, um, has been loaned to another European side that the name escapes me. I should have put it in the notes. I'm going to look it up right now as we're recording. This is really bad podcasting. It's a Danish team, I want to say. It is a Danish team. Uh, Vet, Vet, I don't know. I don't know how you pronounce this. Vedisel, Vedisel, Vendisel. Sounds good. Um, yeah, uh, we'll be in Denmark um, for the remainder of 2023. And this move, some had hinted, uh, and some had sort of presumed prior would lead to him joining Minnesota in 2024 because he can't join Minnesota now at this point in the season because the transfer window on both sides is closed. So um, there's no way for Clark to join Major League Soccer and join Minnesota United in 2023. So the best thing they Leipzig could do is loan him out for the remainder of the year, get some get some money for him, get something, some kind of compensation to get, uh, you know, and a place where Clark can play the remainder of 2023 as well, right. instead of being half a world away training on a training ground as, as much as that, you know, training with a professional club, you know, can help uh, getting minutes in Europe on the pitch in a match is exponentially, uh, you know, better for your, uh, for continued development. So um, that's what Clark will be doing for the remainder of 2023. And then Andy Grader of the Pioneer Press with some great reporting there saying that club sources have told him he will, he will be coming to Minnesota in 2024 following that loan and signing this winter with the loons. All the Minnesota connections aside, Caden Clark was a monster for the Red Bulls in 2020 and early 2021 as well. If he can find just, I mean, there's a reason why he was signed with Leipzig, right? Right. Um, there's something there, and he's so young, and he still qualifies for a U22 spot for this team or, or will next season um, when he presumably signs. Minnesota connections aside, this this upside, this signing has huge upside for Minnesota United uh, moving forward. Um what are, what are your initial thoughts on, on the situation, kind of the way everything's been playing out, Tom? Yeah, for sure. I think, well, you know, it, like, like you say, I think there's a, there's kind of two things to address here. And one is the one that is sort of acknowledging the Minnesota connection. One's the one that's not so much um, from, from a, from a more clinical uh, side of things. Yeah. I mean, I think if, if he can get into good form, in Denmark, get back into shape, get back into those regular minutes. We'll obviously see how that goes. If, if he can get that done and then come to Minnesota as, as someone who is back from playing regular competitive soccer uh, for 2024, I think that's a huge addition. I think that has the potential to be a, a huge plus for the team, a huge boost in quality. Uh, it He is a very talented player. We've seen that. We also haven't seen that recently, and that's, so that's the only real question mark. 
um, that, that I think we'll have to see how that works out. That being said, based on, you know, the data that we have from the past, the potential that we know of from the past, uh, certainly a piece that could be a, a huge asset for Minnesota. Um, on the side that is looking at the Minnesota connection, obviously just as a player who is from Minnesota, you hope things go well for him. Hopefully this initial loan goes well for him. And, and if that then translates into a position in Minnesota United, that's great. Um, you know, this is certainly a, uh, a guy with a lot of potential. Uh, I think there was a lot of excitement when he did go to Leipzig. Obviously, that hasn't quite gone to plan. That's admittedly a very, very high level to break into when your baseline is the New York Red Bulls. Um, and and so I, I, I don't think that that should be looked at too harshly. I think that's just a very hard barrier to get past. Uh, and it would be great to see him get back to playing regularly. Still so young, still so, so many years ahead of him. You certainly wouldn't want to see his career sort of get paused just because, you know, an ambitious move didn't quite work out. Uh, so, yeah, ho- hope Denmark goes well. And if he does end up with Minnesota United, hopefully he can can uh, become a, a really productive part of this team, which I know he's capable of. Yeah, so that's, again, more more on this to come. I'm sure, you know, nothing will really be made official until the winter uh, by the club or clubs in this scenario. Um, but you're looking at 2024 outlook for Minnesota United. You have Bongi Longwane. You have obviously a, a back in, completely back into form of Emmanuel Reynoso. Um, some other good young pieces on this team, adding Caden Clark to that. It really kind of makes you think about what the future of this Minnesota United team could look like. And we like to look at the present a lot. Where are they in the playoff standings now? How are they looking now? Um, but you also have to have to brace for the future too. And solidify that, and uh, a lot of good young pieces set to be on Minnesota United's roster in 2024, including reportedly Mr. Caden Clark. Um, another note: I don't have this on the on the uh, on the notes here, but you had tweeted this out um, a little prior to us going on uh, on the air uh, or recording today. Roman Metnair, former Minnesota United player, signing for Belgium's RFC Serang. Um, played for Madagascar while out of contract. He had been uh, training here locally as well with serious ballers, which uh, Dom, you wrote about for the website. Go everyone go check that out at sodasoccer.com if you haven't. Um, but cool to see Roman Metnair, who was such a huge piece of this team, MLS All-Star in 2021 as well, or 2019, I believe he was the MLS All-Star, but um, at some point an MLS All-Star for Minnesota United. Um, you know, such a such a good player, such a beloved player for this team. Um, finally returning to uh to a club and getting back in the swing of things in Europe. Yeah, absolutely. This is, I think this is, is really huge for him. You know, this is an incredibly talented player. Um, one of, one of his country's top players still, as you can see by the fact that he was called up even when he was without a team. Um, and, and a guy that did so much for Minnesota United is so much, you know, has been a very active part of Minnesota, even outside of the Minnesota United stuff. You know, he's held camps. He's, he's been living here since the end of contract, uh, you know, like you said, teaming up with serious ballers. He's even, I've seen that he's, he's even played a, a game or two for a couple of community teams mixed yep. in there. Um, just doing his thing, uh, being patient and, and, and being focused. Uh, and you got, you got to appreciate that. You got to appreciate the work effort shown there by him to, to keep pushing when, you know, it, it's tough when you are playing a good level and then it goes bad because of injury problems over a prolonged period of time, that next contract is not exactly a easy thing to negotiate because you're coming into it with a very weak 
hand of cards in the sense that your recent record is that you could not play because you were injured. Uh, and, And that, frankly, is just a really hard deal to negotiate as a player. It's probably why it took this long to get that next team. Um, although credit to him for getting it done within a year. Um, But yeah, I mean, really happy to see, you know, he's going to Belgium. uh, has a lot of experience playing in in France uh, as as well. And I I think returning to that general area in in Western Europe, that might be a a sort of fun opportunity for him um, to to relocate to somewhere he's familiar with. uh, and, And of course, get back to his career, which is playing professional soccer, which he hasn't been able to do for a while now. So, um, yeah, wish him the best. I mean, again, this is a this is a great example of um, the importance of perseverance uh, by a player and how hard it is for a player to to get that done. Sometimes get things over the line. Uh, there are a lot of people that end up in the spot Roman Metinier was in, and you never hear about them again. That's just the facts of it. That's just the nature of the industry. Uh, so it, it's wonderful to see a guy that I think to a lot of people has become a sort of adopted Minnesotan considering how long he yep. was here, considering he stayed here after the team and was kind of part of his community for a while in the Metro, raised his kids here for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I think to see a guy like that um, get it over the line and, and keep going is awesome. So best of luck to him, best of luck to his team. I know his team are fighting for promotion to the first tier in Belgium. Uh, hopefully that works out well for them. And uh, we'll we'll definitely be keeping an eye on how Roma Metinier continues to uh, to do. Absolutely, all the best to Roman, and and hopefully he can he can you know stay healthy, and uh, and get himself back on the pitch and, and make an impact in uh, in Europe. Um, you know, he's he's joining he's joining right away, right? This isn't a, something where he signed and we'll start. No, my understanding is he's joining them right now. Yeah, yeah I think I think the Belgian transfer window is slightly open closes slightly later than the rest of Europe. So it was okay. open like an extra week or something. So, okay. Sounds good. Well, that's awesome to hear from Metinair and we'll be keeping a close eye on him and how he does over there. If you're keeping a close eye on all the sports that are happening right now, you know, not only is MLS coming down to it, not only has the premier league and European uh, football started, but American football is in full force. College football kicked off, uh, you know, officially, officially this past weekend, you have the NFL starting this coming weekend, um, a lot of stuff and a lot of stuff that you can play some wagers on over at betteredge.com, B-E-T-T-O-R edge dot com um if you use our, our link betteredge.com slash loons you will get twenty dollars in your account for free and now i know the question jeremy gambling's illegal in minnesota right how is this how, how can i do this well better edge is not a sports book they do not profit off of your loss when you are placing a bet on better edge you are not betting against better edge you are betting with and against other users on the platform that's what makes it legal to use use in Minnesota and 47 other states. It's like what you know, if me and Dom were to say, "Hey, Dom, I'll bet you 20 bucks that uh, you know Minnesota and um, Minnesota New England goes over two and a half goals." If he wants to take me up on that bet, we don't need to Venmo. We don't need to get our dollar bills out and and do a cash transaction. Oh no 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 no, we can just go to Better Edge and use Better Edge to place that bet. You can place a bet on New England or on the under. I can place a bet on the over or vice versa. And then whoever wins that bet gets the money. That's how Better Edge works. It is a social sports betting platform that is revolutionizing how friends and uh, and people around each other place bets on games. So if you want in on that, you can get $20 in your account for free when you go to Better Edge 
bet.com slash loons. Do that today ahead of all the great soccer, college football, and NFL action coming this coming weekend. All right, let's jump into some lower league stuff here, Dom. MNUFC 2, Dubloons earned first points since August 13th with a 2-2 draw at San Jose. Earthquakes 2, they win the shootout 9-8 to earn two points. Um, pretty exciting stuff there. San Jose did lead 2-0 after just 10 minutes, but goals from Cameron Lacey and Emmanuel Iwe inspired the comeback. Fred Emmings, one save in the shootout, along with an additional uh, Quakes miss to solidify the two points for Minnesota. And here, you have a fun fact here, Dom. I'm going to let you say this fun fact, because this is all you. I did not have anything to do with putting this fun fact in the notes. You also tweeted about this. So um, a yeah. little fun fact from this MNUFC 2 San Jose 2 match. Yeah, this is cool. I, I, I noticed um, on the roster, on the starting 11 post for this game that Nathan Mua, a uh, uh, Minnesota United Academy player, uh, was on the bench for this game, which is notable to me, uh, one, just because that's a cool opportunity for him, uh, especially on the road, but also because Nathan uh, is a player for the Mon FF uh, and actually is the player that scored their first ever Kanifa competitive goal against Tibet this summer. Wow. Uh, the video of which you can find on Twitter, I've, I've posted it once <laughs> or twice. Um, so just kind of a cool little, full circle little moment there that, that yeah. I thought was fun. Uh, you know, shows, you know, when you, when you hear about teams like this, this Mono FF team, it kind of also reflects a little bit of the quality in a team like that, that you see, okay, one of these kids is a really promising up and coming guy in the Minnesota United Academy. He's getting some chances with the uh, second team, I guess you would call them. Um, and, and so that, that's uh, a cool note, I thought. Um, and I think uh, it's citing, it's citing a little bit of information of, you know, don't want to overhype them prematurely but you know what may be in down the path for nathan in terms of professional opportunities uh which is very encouraging i know when i when i tweeted this out uh actually got like retweeted by michael vane and stuff i think the community is very excited about what can happen there so mm-hmm. um yeah just just a cool mm-hmm. fact and it, it it's one of those interesting things with these analyst nets pro games is every now and then if you look at the bench you'll notice a guy or two who is there who is is not even a professional yet but it's a guy that maybe in four years is going to be talked about a lot more and is, you know, maybe plays that game, maybe doesn't, but he's in the mix and it's just interesting to track those guys long-term. So uh, congrats to Nathan on the opportunity to travel to San Jose and be with those guys. And, and hopefully we get to talk about him more in the future. Absolutely. That's one of those cool stories that, you know, a guy comes in through the Academy system, makes such an impact for, for the Mung FF team this summer. And then he gets that, maybe it was that sort of a, you know, type of performance on that kind of stage that lends him in UFC yeah, perhaps. to think, Hey, let's, let's, let's put this guy on the roster for the second team. And if the opportunity arises, maybe we, maybe this gives us a better, um, more confidence in him that maybe he can, he can do it at this stage at this time. So you, you never know what those opportunities can do for these kids. I'm not saying that hundred percent is, but um, have to think it doesn't hurt um, his, uh, his standing in the, in the organization and um, you know, hopefully more opportunities come uh, for Nathan Moa moving forward. Um, lower league and community news, college soccer. We got the first time in D one college soccer that Minnesota university of Minnesota and St. Thomas square off on the women's side. Sophia Borman hat trick leads U of M to a 5-0 victory over the Tommies. On the men's side, though, good news for St. Thomas. The men earned their first result of the season with a 2-2 draw against North Florida to round up their Southeast road trip. 
uh, Ferris Kolich with the 79th minute equalizer for the Tommies to solidify a draw. Any thoughts on either of these two uh, results and matches, Dom? Yeah, for sure. Um, a quick note on the, on the St. Thomas men's results, just obviously good to see that group get a result in the mix. Uh, obviously, they'll be hoping for, for better results in the future, but to, to get some goals, get a result after some tough games, I think is, is, a, is a good show of mentality for them. Uh, for, for the Gophers, Tommy's game, I think that's just a really, you know, obviously ended up being a, a somewhat one-sided result in the scoreline, but I think it's, it's a great reflection of the exciting things that are building in Minnesota. Uh, obviously, the, the St. Thomas women's team still very much in a state of development as a program in the D1 level. But just to have a D1 women's soccer game in Minnesota that is essentially an all-Minnesota game, most of these players are from Minnesota or from the surrounding area, uh, just to have that occasion exist, I think, is, is a big achievement. Uh, and, you know, the Gophers, obviously, again, that's a program with a lot more history at this level, a lot more development at this level. I think most people would have picked them to win the game. Uh, but, but just to have that occasion as a, as a teaser of what's to come in coming years as these two programs continue to grow, obviously St. Thomas particularly with more room to grow into, hmm. um, I think that's an exciting moment for, for the game in Minnesota, for the women's game in Minnesota. It was great to see that it seemed like there was a lot of excitement around this game in general. Uh, so yeah, no, I, I think I think it's great that they were able to get this on the calendar uh, ahead of obviously getting busy with conference games soon, uh, and and hopefully you know what I would actually really like to see is you know hopefully to see this matchup happen regularly, maybe once a year, yeah, um, and j- just as you know, one because it's fun, but also because to some degree to provide I think the greater Minnesota soccer community and particularly in the women's collegiate area. Uh, a, a mark to see how these two programs continue to change over time, particularly St. Thomas, and compare to each other. I think that could be really interesting to see. You know, if they play in the next five to seven years, if they play four to five games, I think that could provide a really interesting timeline. But uh, for, for neutrals, particularly. But um, yeah, no, again, just just a cool occasion. Glad that they were able to make it work, and uh, and and great to see this as sort of a reflection of the continued growth of the uh, of the women's game, particularly in Minnesota. Yeah, look, these campuses are like what four miles apart, five miles right. apart, something right. like that. Like, I think it makes total sense to add each other to the non-conference slate from a travel perspective, from a convenience perspective, but also to really kind of build that 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 Twin Cities rival. That neither team, I mean, obviously the you know St. Thomas, a majority of their D three opponents were in and around the Twin Cities, sure. but from a Gopher standpoint, right? You don't have that that close rival, that even in-state rival. They've been the only D one program in Minnesota uh for so long on the women's side that um it's you know it it makes all the sense in the world i think with both these teams now being division one to uh to have them square off annually so hopefully we start to get that moving forward um but we'll have to wait and see on that one um that does it we're at the end of the notes here dom that's uh the end of the pod for this week at least from a content perspective do you have any parting words for the people or anything that we may have missed um Uh, i i guess one thing that i just want to touch on like one more time because I, I really think it's it's huge and actually you know it, it's something that actually we have we talked about twice today in a way is is how impressive and important and worth supporting perseverance by players is um i i mentioned that note with with roman metanera but you know to, to give full credit it, it goes to Caden clark as well um you know i i think it's very easy as as a fan or even as a writer um to to you know a player goes out of contract or something doesn't work out of a team or the guy's not getting minutes 
And it's very easy to allow that to just move to the back of your head as unimportant information, which tends to lead to that person becoming unimportant to the, the fan or the per or whoever's processing this information. And you know, that that's not it's a very understandable sort of reaction for a person to have, but it's also not a very humane reaction to have. Mm-hmm. And it's important to remember these guys still exist and they're still trying to get things done. I mean, that that's part of what motivated me to do the serious ballers thing was one that there was this really cool thing happening locally and it was a cool opportunity for college guys and all this stuff. Part of that story that drew me was that you had these pro athletes who were in a tough spot between contracts and they're using this as a way to stay in shape and, and keep the ball moving. Um, those, those are, those stories are important too. And, you know, guys like Roman Metaner and Abu Dinladi gave a lot for, in this case, Minnesota, uh, just because they're not signed to Minnesota anymore. doesn't mean they're not relevant to Minnesota. And, and so, you know, I, I think seeing Roman Metaner and Kane Clark get it over the line, getting the job, getting their careers, getting the ball moving, getting the wheels turning, keeping things going, I think is something that should certainly be inspiring to anybody who's an athlete who's maybe in a tough spot right now, but also uh, should be a reminder to, to listeners to not disregard uh, a player because he's in a tough spot between contracts or his club, you know, his coach isn't playing him or whatever it is. Um, careers and players are so much more complex than that. There's a lot of great players who get in tough spots at the highest level. They're in tough spots when they're playing as much as they want to. Uh, so yeah, just, just, you know, I, I think, those both those guys are, are are cool reminders to to think about players in a more open minded way than just oh well he's out of contract he must have you know gone bad the, the fruit must have rotted you know mm-hmm. it's it's just so much more complex than that so congrats again to both those guys for for getting the next step going uh, and and perhaps a reminder to everybody else to remember that any guy that you think may may have been a lost cause or is out of the picture is in the middle of the work that Roma Metzner and Kane Clark just finished doing. And, and that's hard work. So give them, give them some credit and give them some love when you have the chance, because I, I, I am sure they, they will need it. That's amazing. And, uh, you know, Dom, you always find, you always find something to leave us with that's uh, in, inspiring and uh, <laughs> thoughtful. And uh, so that's why I always pose the question. And uh, you always leave us with something good. So I appreciate that. Uh, we also appreciate all of you for listening, for tuning in, for subscribing, for rating, reviewing, supporting, everything you're doing. Uh, really, We really do appreciate it. And it really does mean a lot to us. So thank you so much for that. Thanks to our sponsors, Better Edge, this week. Thank you, Dom, for being my co-host once again. Post Loons coming your way Saturday following Minnesota and New England. And, of course, another edition of 10K in your ears next Friday. Right here, same time, same place you're getting it right now. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll see you. Bye.